a lot of people might think 23 is young. Well, what about 23 months? People are dying of cancer at that. Yeah. So I think I'm incredibly lucky for everything I've had and everything from now is sort of bonus years or bonus days. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is all awesome. Like from here on out, every day is a bonus for me. So I'm just going to live it and be happy. Welcome back, everyone, to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I'm just going to read out the review of the week. And this week is brought to you by HMAC88. And HMAC wrote, thank goodness for these two. I find myself telling people daily about this podcast. I love listening to these guys. So refreshing and down to worth. I struggle listening to other podcasts, but I can relate to everything they speak about. The week I found this podcast, I was in a horrible place. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Thank you. And no, thank you, HMAC. We really do appreciate that review and your support. And we're so glad to hear that you're taking something out of this podcast. And for those who haven't left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. It will take no time at all, but it really does mean the absolute world to us. It helps us grow the 25 Stay Alive platform and reach as many people as we can. So today's episode is awesome. We got Dahlia back in the studio and she recorded the episode with us today. We all do a health update uh, about our current health situation and where we're currently at. And we also go through and answer some of your questions. And there were a few more philosophical questions for this week's episode. Uh, And we touched on everything from, does everything happen for a reason? Accepting death, being positive, and how to support someone going through cancer and much more. So once again, thanks everyone for sending in through your questions. We really, really appreciate it. And if you've got any more questions from today's episode, please send them through. Thanks very much and enjoy today's episode. Welcome everybody to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. We're here recording episode eight. I've hijacked the intro and the uh, show today. Uh, I'm Dahlia. I don't know if you remember me from episode three, but nice to have you boys on your own show. Welcome. Oh, it's lovely to be part of it. I'm calling it your show now, Dahlia. So, <laughs> so it's fantastic. And Hugo, you there, mate? Yeah, I am. It's, uh, it's good to have you, Dahlia. It's good to see you sitting in Willie's big red chair. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, obviously for those listening, Dahlia did share her uh, inspirational story in episode three. She's so bloody awesome. We wanted to get her back. So she's probably going to be featuring in a few episodes coming up. Make her feel welcome. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Be only fair. So to paint an image, if you're listening to this and not viewing it online, me and Dahlia may be sitting here with some, um, what, 30 nuggets from yeah. Macca's. Um, that's a health food. It's got a five-star rating and also a bottle of bourbon with just a smidgen. So before we get too far into this, we'll do a cheers yeah, and then we'll, um, we'll get on with the episode. toast some water, Hugo? <laughs> yeah, I'm toasting some water in the, uh, <laughs> the laptop. <laughs> yeah, beauty. So look, today's episode is uh, more of a relaxed feel. Willie and I did do a bit of a Q&A episode a few episodes back. So we thought we'd uh, we'll do more or less another Q&A episode with Dahlia, uh, obviously featuring this too. So we'll go through a few of your questions that you've sent in. But before we get into some questions and answer, answer some of your questions, we just thought we'd go around... Uh, I'll lead off just in a, with a bit of a health update on our, all three of us in our current situation. So for me, I had a colonoscopy yesterday, which was uh, about, it's a six-month post-cancer diagnosis colonoscopy. So colonoscopy itself, for those listings, pretty straightforward. There's obviously a bit of that bowel prep involved, which is never never too much fun, which Dahlia obviously knows all too well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I'm uh, lucky. <laughs> it is a good thing to do because I'm a pretty strong advocate for colonoscopies because it is the the one real way to know exactly what's going on in your gut. But it is a bit of an anxious moment for, for me personally, knowing that last time I had a colonoscopy, 
I, I pretty much got told I had uh, colon cancer. So this one, I was going into it hoping for the best. And I suppose the results from it, the initial results, uh, showed that there's no real polyps or any cancer, which is which is fantastic. Uh, that's obviously the main goal and the main positive from it. However, I still do have some active chronic inflammation in my colon, uh, which is kind of what led to me getting colon cancer in the first place. So unfortunately, that puts me at, and I quote from my gastroenterologist, significant risk of getting colon cancer again. And he even said, it's probably more of a matter of when you get it again, not if, if I don't treat this uh, inflammation. So it is pretty serious to treat this inflammation in my colon. So basically I've had bowel disease for most of my life and I, the current medication uh, isn't treating it. So I suppose where to from there, it basically means I've got to drastically change my diet uh, which is what I'm currently going to really do and and try everything I can, I suppose, not to get this cancer again. So I'm, I'm going to go down the whole plant-based uh, vegan approach just for a while. And there's lots of fors and against, I understand, for those listening. Some of you might be vegan. Some of you might be opposed to vegan diets. But in my current position, um, when the the risk of a, a third cancer, I suppose, coming up, I'm, I've put myself in that position of going, well, I'm going to try everything I can to get rid of that inflammation. So that's kind of where I'm at health-wise as far as diet. It's also strongly recommended I commence a new uh, treatment or medication option, which is a biologic suppressant, which is relatively new in the scheme of things. It basically means every eight weeks I get intravenously, I guess, injected drugs into me, eight weeks for a year, quite an expensive drug, but it's meant to target the inflammation in my gut, specific to my colon, specific to my ulcerative colitis. So that's kind of the... uh, the recommendation I've got. And for those listening, you probably think, well, that's a no brainer. Why don't you do that? (laughs) But unfortunately, this is the double-edged sword that comes into it because it's a relatively new drug. There have been studies to suggest it does increase your risk of getting cancer, such as lymphoma (laughs) down the track. So it's- um, (laughs) That's what you want. That's all I (laughs) So, So on one hand, I've got the doctor telling me that if I don't have treatment or get rid of this inflammation, I'll some stage, very significant high risk of getting colon cancer again. But if I do go on this treatment, I also have an increased risk of getting another form of cancer again. So as you can imagine, I'm kind of sitting here with a bit of a dilemma on my hands. I guess the path that I think I'm going to take is drastically improving my diet and lifestyle, which for me is a no-brainer in my current situation, and also going on this medication or this treatment for probably 12 months and reassess from there. So that's kind of a bit of a health update for, for me, for those listening, and for Willie and Dahlia as well. But uh, yeah, that's that's currently where I'm at. I have some questions here. Yes. How much of your bowel do you have left of your large bowel? So of my large bowel. So I guess those listening, take yourself back to school days. And if you can picture what a colon looks like or a large bowel, it's kind of that like U-shaped sausage in a way, or sorry, more of an upside down U. So what would you call that? A bloody... I don't know, a lowercase n. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was, ne- I, was, I, was never good at, I was never good at biology at school, but it's um, welcome got, to my life. <laughs> so I've got about the way I got told about ten percent left of that. He basically removed a big chunk of it where all the inflammation was and where the the cancer was uh, in that part of my large bowel, the colon. And I've, he left about ten percent. I have another question. Yes, <laughs> which half? I've kept my left part of my left side of my colon right and you've no, made the decision right, <laughs> God damn it, darling. Yeah, but not much is left <laughs> of my left <laughs> he said um, we can see him on the camera <laughs> also have you definitely decided to do this um eight-week program or 12 months yeah the, the medication look i i think i have a, a few people are against it because of the potential risk but it's it's kind of risk versus reward for me and 
And Willie and I spoke offline about that. Sometimes the, uh, the unknowns can often be the worst part of these things. And I think to me, if I didn't go on this treatment option and I just trusted diet and lifestyle alone, and there are plenty of people out there who have cured inflammations and cured diseases through diet alone, and I'm definitely going to take that seriously. Uh, absolutely. But if in 12 months time, I had a, a colonoscopy, which showed that, yep, inflammation is still there. There's also a sign of a, a polyp. It looks cancerous. We're going to have to take the rest of your bowel out. I'd, uh, I feel like I really regret not actually doing the treatment option. So for me, I think it's a no-brainer, but not long-term. So I think I'm going to do it a combination of diet, lifestyle, and this uh, what's called biologic medical treatment option, a biologic drug, for probably 12 months and then reassess. I have one more question. Yes, Dahlia, send. All the inflammation that is happening in your gut, is that all in your large bowel or is some of it in your small bowel as well? So the inflammation I have is all currently in my large bowel. So that's what's called ulcerative colitis, which is a type of bowel disease. You might hear of people with Crohn's disease and people with Crohn's disease have inflammation in their small bowel. So Crohn's disease associated with your small bowel when there's inflammation and ulcerative colitis is another type of bowel disease. And that's in the large bowel, which is where my current concern is. And that, so then that might lead to long-term you joining the bag gang. Well, yeah, that's exactly the truth. If I don't have, if I don't treat this inflammation, like I said, there is a significant risk that I will get at some stage in my life, another colon cancer, which yes, will correct, will result in me having that part of my bowel removed and I'll be uh, be joining the bag gang, as you put it. (laughs) Well, you can't do that because then you'll be leaving me out and I'll be like, oh, fuck. You can borrow some bags. I'll just stick them them on. (laughs) Yeah, guys, I'm cool as fuck. Make your little fake soma. Because Dahlia, did you ever have uh, inflammation in your part of your bear no nothing no <laughs> nothing and um, how, how much of your bear did you have removed 30 centimeters taken out jesus fortunately for me <clears throat> the location of my tumor meant that i could just have that removed and i didn't have to have any radiotherapy for shrinking my tumor because the closer that your tumor is to your rectum the more difficult it is to remove because there's less blood vessels and the chances of leakage of like the new, so obviously they chop out the 30 centimetres, they kind of detach the rest of your bowel, wiggle it all down and then reattach it. And so the lower that that, I want to say seam. <laughs> <laughs> these, are, these are actually the technical terms. Yes. If, um, if any surgeon are watching, um, take notes. Yes, absolutely. The seam. <laughs> <laughs> the seam of my the bowel join, in my the join. <laughs> and, and on that, Dahlia, I've uh, given a bit of an update on my health, but let's kind of go around the table. Uh, and how is your current health situation going, Dahlia? Pretty good. I think the part of my health that is benefiting the most is my mental health. I've never felt this way in my life, so it's taken me 27 years and a bit of cancer to get here, but I'm here now. So that's going really well for me. So I'm really sort of quite proud of myself for getting to this point. Physically, specifically to right now, I'm feeling quite bad. I had um, my infusion on Wednesday and I just came straight from the hospital to here um, after having my bottle removed from the last episode. You can see me holding my bottle. So today was bottle removal day. Usually I wouldn't usually have the fatigue and lethargy until tomorrow. But I woke up today and I had it. So I just listened to my body, had some breakfast, took a nap. When Willie sort of um, mentioned coming over here today, I absolutely just wanted to jump up and get out of bed and do something with my day. So specifically today, I'm not doing the best. Um, I had to 
on Thursdays, I have to give myself an immunity booster, which is an injection that increases my white blood cells because as, well, actually, maybe I was going to say as people know, but they probably don't know. (laughs) (laughs) As you all know. Yeah, your immunity goes down um, quite significantly while you're going through chemo. So your white blood cells um, can be affected by that. So this particular injection helps counteract that problem. However, the side effect of it is that all of the bone marrow inside your bones swells up to produce this. Jesus. Yeah, to produce the white blood cells. And then I just get sore bones. Delicious. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, my bones in, are swollen. Yeah, in my face. A solid structure in my face <laughs> has swollen from the drug I'm taking to stop me getting sick. Pretty That's fun. Brilliant. Yeah, and so I just get a bit of joint pain and mm-hmm. pain in my bones. But that, that sort of heads off by Sunday. Mm. And Dahlia, on that, so that's um, you've just currently had your, or you're going through your eighth round of correct chemo, and you've got four rounds to go for a total of twelve rounds. Yes, yeah. And, and for the, and for those who didn't see on Dahlia's Instagram, she her, she <laughs> does do her famous chemo themo, and her, for her eighth round of chemo, she dressed up as a emo chemo. Is that what you call it? <laughs> chemo emo. <laughs> a chemo phase. Oh, it was good. I loved I was it. Thinking emo therapy. Or my chemical romance. It was yeah. My chemical romance. That's actually better. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people might not get it. But that's, that's but for, the, for those who do, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. But yeah, so it's been it's actually been really good. The chemotherapy is themo has been uh, me and Willie were talking about it offline because for me I kind of look forward to that day because I've got my outfit sorted, everyone really wants to know what I've dressed up as. And so for me, going in on that day. I've sort of turned it into a positive. I've made it something that I can look forward to and that others look forward to as well. Yeah. I look forward to it. That's I'm not awesome. even in the hospital. I'm like, <laughs> I hope Dahlia does more chemo so I can see more funny dresser. I was messaging Dahlia the other day. Oh, what, what are you doing for tomorrow? And she's, oh, you have to wait and find out. I love it. It's great. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> no one's getting in. Yeah, no secrets here. And Dahlia, do you feel worse uh, as it's now obviously your, your eighth round of chemo? Back in the day when I had chemo, it seems that the more rounds you do, it's harder on your body to recover. Do you feel that's the case for you or do you feel it's about the same? No, it's absolutely compiling. It's mm-hmm. definitely getting worse. I guess I try really hard and I, this was uh, some advice from my oncologist was to not be tracking every single symptom and writing down, okay, from, you know, cycle six, I was feeling sick from Thursday, but cycle seven, I didn't start feeling sick till Saturday, but then, you know what I mean? So I've tried to really prevent myself from writing every single thing down and making too many comparisons or this week I felt this, the next week I felt that mm. it's just easier to just accept what's going on at that point and just move forward. It's going to happen anyway. Exactly. Like, you're going to get sick, but he's compiling. Like my, my chemo is compiling as shit. Yeah. Well, still is. I feel like my face changes color. My husband seems to think I'm just making it up, but I feel like <laughs> I, yeah. well, I'm guessing he sees your face probably more than yourself. So if he's changing color, he might actually be the one who's, who's concerned. Yeah. Um, aside from that, like I've been able to maintain a healthy weight range. None of my hair's fallen out, which is That's a bone. super cool for yeah, a girl. Yeah, it's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Very helpful. But yeah, overall, I'm feeling like my health is, yeah, all, all things considered, I feel like it's going pretty well. Fuck, that's awesome. Hmm. No, that's, that's awesome to hear, Dalian. We'll obviously uh, keep hopefully getting updates from you and keep following your chemo themo journey as well. But um, Willie, mate, we'll uh, leave you leave the best to last. Well, as as if anyone's actually watching this, sitting here with a thing of bourbon and some chicken nuggets for Dahlia, but um, that's all hers actually. <laughs> this is um, this actually isn't bourbon. <laughs> no, my health um has actually been um, going up. It's, it has been getting a lot better because I've had almost three weeks off the chemo now. So I had a 
big weekend filming away in Sydney for an upcoming TV show, Ooh. which I can't I can't actually talk too much about, but it's going to be it's going to be epic, exciting, um, exciting. Yeah, it's actually The Bachelor, um, <laughs> or, it's, or it's Love Island. It's it's oh, one of the two. Imagine nah, seeing Willie. Imagine seeing Willie on Love Island. Jeez, that would be good. Oh, Jesus. Fierce. That would be fierce. It would be brilliant. I wouldn't tell anyone I had cancer and right to the end. Once yeah. someone had fallen in love with me, and they'd be like, please, <laughs> I'm dying. And just to see, like, my Instagram followers go through the roof as just like hate goes towards me. It's like, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> um, no, but my health, like, on a serious note, um, so I start chemo in my 12th and final round slash month this Monday coming. Cheers to you. So, yeah. yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Last, last round. I'm cheering again to the camera, but cheers. Yeah, um, so that's fantastic that that's finally fucking over. And then from there, it'll be a like a rest up, you know, three or four weeks. I'll get another MRI scan, which means you go talked about offline that the stress before the MRIs always sucks because it's like at some point, one of these scans is going to be like, hey, man, this is going really badly. Um, so that'll happen at some point. So every scan is like, is this going to be the one? Is this going to be what the one? What do you one? mean by so like, what you just said? So I have a scan every three months. Okay. And at the moment, because I'm undergoing chemo, every scan tends to be better. It's like, oh, look, it's shrunk a little bit or it hasn't changed. Now that I'm finishing chemo and we're just watching and waiting, we're sort of waiting for it to get worse. So it could get worse in three months or it could get worse in 10 years. But every three months, I'll continually have that like bullshit scan of that, that pressure of, is this going to be the scan that comes back that this is fucked? Oh. So, Yeah. Is there any chance of having any more chemo? Or sort of twelve months generally the the max they do with your chemo, and then like you said, then it's the option of surgery if you need it. Yeah, well, actually, I asked my oncologist about this on Wednesday. Was my appointment to see him, um, and he tended to think this is it for now, um, at least for now. I didn't say like, you know, is there a possibility in the future? Um, I don't see why there wouldn't be. Like, I'm not sure how your body sort of builds if it does build an immunity immunity to it after a while, or it's too hard on your organs, but he tends to think like this is it and then we'll go under another another path. There's always options of chemo down the like in the future. They can actually find um, a dose for particular people to hold them, like hold their tumor at bay. So say I'm taking 400 milligrams of Temozole a day and that is, you know, trying to actually shrink the tumor. They may, in the, or may down the line be able to find, well, your tumor is growing at this particular rate, but if we give you a slightly less dose, like, you know, a few milligrams or tens of milligrams, you'll barely feel the effect. Meanwhile, it's sort of, it's shrinking the tumor this fast, but as it's growing at the same rate and it just holds it steady. Right. Um, so some people live on these low, like super low doses of chemo uh, in tablet form for years and years and years and barely feel the effect because it's so little. Um, I was reading about some people, I'm on 400 milligrams and they're on 0.5 milligrams because that's enough just to keep their tumor. It's killing it at the same rate it's growing. So it's, one of those one things. step forward, one step back. Literally, so stupid tumor, yeah. idiot. Fuck you, tumor. <laughs> we've got you. We've got you on a treadmill. Um, <laughs> you tire it out eventually. It might just kill itself. Wow. <laughs> um, yes. So that'll. Ha- that's that's how that's all going. Look, I just want to ask you, Willie. Chemo in the last twelve months has been a huge part of your life. It's been something that you've just become so accustomed to. Doing your round of chemo, two weeks off, feeling like shit, doing more chemo, feeling like shit, and just that continual cycle, I suppose, of chemotherapy for 12 months of your life. How are you feeling now that that's finally coming to an end? Like, obviously, it's a sense of relief, but it must be a bit of a strange feeling too, knowing that it's uh, you're about to finish chemo, I suppose, hopefully for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's a weird one because chemo, it is 
fucking invasive on your body. And it sort of dictates everything. It dictates not only what you do, but it can actually dictate sort of who you are in many ways. You know, yeah, you do have mental side effects as well as like the stress that comes with it and everything. So it's almost a little bit scary for me being like, shit, I'm um, I'm coming back into a normal world off chemo. Like I've got to be me again. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost a bit of Stockholm syndrome. Like, oh, fuck. So I'm not going to be sick two weeks of every month. I'm going to have all this spare time. Like, what um, am I going to do? Yeah. I Just to like contribute to that, I feel like I'm living my life in fortnightly mm. cycles. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, yeah that's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's sure. the only way it's that like you can do it. Two weeks sick, two weeks good. Yeah. And I'm going to be off and be like, four weeks good. What? Continue. <laughs> like, that's like, great. And then, so yeah, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome of like, shit, I'm going to, um, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself after this treatment because everything for 12, 13 months has been dictated by the drugs. Precisely. But you're going to feel the same thing when you get off them too. So yeah, are you going to have a post chemo party, Willie? Oh, look, I'm not much of a drinker, so um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I'm not much of a drink. Let me just have a sip of this whiskey and think about yeah, it. Yeah, well, I'll cheers. I am absolutely having a stoma funeral. It's stoma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like after I have my um, ileostomy reverse, I'm absolutely having a stoma funeral. So maybe we can go like Facebook Live for that. Can I offer a suggestion, Dahlia? Yes. Can you make the theme that everyone can dress up as one of your themes of your chemo themo? Ah, yes. good call. Because what is there? There's going to be 12 dress-ups. 12 mm-hmm. dress-ups. You can choose one of them, one or 12. You go, you and me aren't allowed to come in cams. Yeah, no, no, definitely Because <laughs> that's too easy for us. I'm going as Marilyn Monroe. I've already picked it. There you go. <laughs> I shotgun the emo. I've, I never went through an emo phase. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I, know, I think I'm pretty sure mum and dad are listening to the live. So I never went through an emo phase. So it's going to come back. Never too I'll late, Willie. For those, yeah, so for those listening, there's just a bit of a that's a bit of a health update, uh, I suppose, for the three of us. Um, if you've got any uh, specific questions regarding to either one of us um, in regards to our health that we've just talked about, then uh, please feel free to hit us up and ask any questions. We're we're all open books, and we're more than happy to answer anything to do with our current health. And we'll obviously continue to try and update you you all along the way. So look, we might just get into a few questions now, um, and these are picked in any random order uh, that people have sent through. Uh, but I feel like a good place to start, Willie. A question did come from your mum, your lovely mother, Vicky. Uh, oh, Vicky. Hello, Vicky. I know they'll be they'll be creeping on the, the, the Facebook live or the YouTube live. Mum and I will be sitting around like, oh, he's on he's on telly. If my parents could figure it out, they would be doing the <laughs> Actually, same. Actually, yeah, mine not mine might not be. They might still be figuring it out. It might be on Netflix. Like, where is he? Like, he's on here somewhere. It's the red app, right? Yeah. Vicky. <laughs> But the question from Vicky, and I really liked it. I, it stood out to me, so I've definitely saved that as one of the questions for today. Vicky said, do you believe everything happens for a reason or do we just find reasons after things happen? There you go. Oh, geez. Well, I, I am a firm believer that things don't just happen for a reason. You know, my whole sort of everything, everything I do is based off free will, that we can do anything we want. And we have to implement change when things happen to us so you know whether it's cancer or, or anything you, you implement change in your life anything from what you'll wear if it starts raining you implement change and then and that reminds me very firmly of there is a quote i said his name before Hugo go offline stephen hawking um stephen hawking yeah so stephen hawking says um i like the idea that people believe in people that believe in fate still look both ways while crossing the road and that's true if you just believe everything just happens for no reason why bother looking across the road yeah. Um, you're going to hit or not. Um, and that's sort of me with, with everything I do. I'm like, well, no, it's all up, all up to me. And look, even if someone were to prove me wrong that I don't have free will, at least I have the illusion of it. So fuck it. I'm going to go with that. Free will seems more fun than if, if everything's predestined and predetermined in your life, that's boring as hell. Like, 
imagine being born and like everything that's going to happen to me or whatever is already pre predetermined. I like that, Willie. And look, it's an interesting one. And look, I'm personally not religious. Uh, however, with a question like that, do you believe everything happens to a reason? It's hard to say that, you know, let's say for you, Willie, you getting diagnosed in an incurable form of brain cancer. Oh yeah, that happened for a reason. Or, you know, did myself getting two types of cancer before 30 or Dahlia getting a, an advanced bowel cancer. It happens for a reason. Look, I'm more under the mindset of making the best out of a bad situation. So although I don't think everything necessarily happens for a reason. Uh, it's more, well, if something does happen, it's happened. We can't change that. It's happened. That's mm. life. But how? let's make a, the best out of that bad situation. So I guess choosing your fate or choosing your path once something has happened, I, when you got diagnosed with brain cancer, you could have easily kind of been very closed, uh, been kept to yourself and not chosen to actually go, you know what, I'm going to use this to help others. And if you believe everything does happen for a reason, then why bother why bother doing chemo or anything like that? Like why bother continuing to push things because, oh, I'm already, it's already going to happen. So That's you true. sort of give up your own sort of humanities. You're just like, oh, well, fuck it. I'm just going to do nothing and then nothing good will happen to you. That's true. I don't know. I actually do feel like everything kind of happens for a reason. Like for me personally, I'm kind of glad that this has happened to me mm. and not any of my best friends or my parents or my brothers or their wives or my husband or anything like that. I just feel like, it happened to me because I, and I'm glad that it happened to me because I feel like I am capable of carrying this quotations burden. I don't even see it as a burden, but I feel like me going through it is something that I hope to really know how to articulate what I mean to help other people realize yeah, grow, that cancer doesn't need from. to be this stereotype yeah. basically. Yeah. I remember someone, um, and I'm not religious, but someone actually said to me when I first got diagnosed, it's like, Oh God only gives things like this to people who can handle it. And I'm like, look, I, I paid it off massively because I was like, nah. But, and that sort of ties into what you're saying, even if it's not a, a God as such, but you're saying like, you know, you can handle it and you've, you have grown from this. I, absolutely. So and I feel like I've you've been made able something to, of something shit. Yeah. Yep. And I've absolutely. been able to connect with other people going through the same thing and helping them mm. as well go through whatever they're going through because, you know, mm. being so public about it on social media has, you know, linked me up with you two and like particular people in the UK. So it's been, yeah, beneficial mm. for more than just me. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and it is a great question. And thanks again for sending that through, Vicky. And if anyone listening today has their own thoughts or opinions on anything we discussed today, please let us know because we'd generally love to hear your opinions and what you think of, of these questions, especially more of the philosophical ones that people are sending through. So look, we just, we'll move on to the next question now. And it is from Darren. And Darren also sent through quite an interesting question and he said, how do you accept death? I know it's a part of life, but I'm terrified of it. So Willie, mate, I'll let you start off with that one. Yeah, I'll kick us off on, um, on a deep question. Was it, was it Darren that was from? Sorry, Darren, it was from Darren, oh, yes. Look, I think part of sort of the human condition is to be scared of death, which almost is a little bit silly because it happens to everyone who was, everyone who is, and everyone who will be we'll die. That's, that's part of living as a human is where you're born, we pay tax and then we die. Um, and everyone will pay tax as much as you die. Um, but, but at some point you'll die. Accepting death earlier, I think some people sort of go into this like myself and think, you know, I'm going to have X amount of years, 80, 90 years. And it's not that I've accepted that I'm going to die in, you know, shorter than that. But I'm also realistic. Like I'm, op I'm optimistic about my life, but I'm also very realistic. As far as accepting death is to do, do shit you want to do because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't have any regrets. Um, and I always say like, if I were to drop dead right now, like if I would have a drink of this whiskey and fall over dead, 
I would have zero regrets in what I've done. It's not saying that it's not stuff I want to do in the future, but pretty much as far as everything's gone in my life, I've done basically everything I've ever wanted to do. You know, I want to be an 80-year-old man sitting there going, I um, did everything I've wanted to do. And one of the most influential people in my life, um, which is Christopher Hitchens, who's an author, um, he sort of came to fame doing a lot of anti-religious stuff, but he also talks a lot about, you know, life um, and sort of the meaning to life. He actually died of um, lung and throat cancer, but he talks about not having any regrets in life. And one of my favorite quotes from him is life is too short to not tell assholes that they're assholes. So but that's very true. And if you know who he is, you'll be like, yeah, he does call out everyone. I think, you know, you're only here for a finite amount of years. You know, you could make that either longer or shorter depending on sort of your own health. Um, and sometimes for unforeseen circumstances, you will be cut significantly shorter than you think. And look, I'm 23. I've lived a I've lived a lot longer than some people. And that's where I sort of believe in a lot of the fundraising towards children's cancers is I've had that that opportunity to grow up and do shit. A lot of people might think 23 is young. Well, what about 23 months? People are dying of cancer at that. Yeah. So I think I'm incredibly lucky for everything I've had. And everything from now is sort of bonus years or bonus days. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is all awesome. Like from here on out, every day is a bonus from it. So I'm just going to live it and be happy. For those listening, it's quite easy to forget that Willie is only 23 and Amber, my, my lovely partner, actually mentioned it uh, the other day. I was listening to one of our episodes and you actually mentioned it was with, uh, when we were talking to Joe, uh, the psychologist, she, she said, oh, and I'm 23. And she actually kind of realized that, holy shit, Willie's 23. Not that because you look 33 with that mo, mate, but it was, <laughs> it was more, <laughs> I do. it's more because uh, the way, I guess you're so wise beyond your years. Um, and that's the, that's the honest truth. And so for a, quite a deep question like that, like if you asked most 23 year olds, how do you accept death? Most 23-year-olds would not be able to answer that in the way that you answered it. And that's obviously because your life, I guess what you've had to go through has taught you so much about life and death and everything. So I think it's fantastic to hear that response from you because it is so enlightening to so many people. And I think on that, and it relates very well to it, Willie, I've just finished watching a TV show called Afterlife. Oh, so good. And for those who haven't seen it, it's a new Netflix show called Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, and it is absolutely fantastic. It's it's not like The Office or some of his other slapstick comedies. It's uh, It touches on very touching issues, quite sad issues, but also with a bit of humor. And it touches on things like depression, uh, cancer, grieving, uh, and life in general. And it's only a six-part miniseries, but it's fantastic. Well, I actually wrote down a quote before, Willie, which actually what you've just said then, Ricky Gervais actually says this. He says, once you realize that you're not going to be around forever, I think that's what makes life so magical. One day you'll eat your last meal, smell your last flower, hug your friend for the very last time. You might not know it's the last time. So that's why you should do everything you love with passion. Treasure the few years you've got left because that's all there is. And I think that kind of quote that he said, I was literally watching it, I kid you not, about half an hour ago before this, uh, before we're recording this. And then that question came up and you answered the way you answered it. Instead of fearing death, live the life that you can live. Yeah, I'm, I'm 23, but I also think, you know, I've had more experiences or, or at least um, put myself in more situations to experience than people who are 50. Like, Absolutely. Age to me is, your age is almost like what you've been exposed to or what do you, you expose yourself to. Mm. And you grow from... You you grow small pieces from bad stuff that happens to you, non-challenging things, you know, just good life. But the things you grow from the most is 
the bad things you are exposed to or expose yourself to, and the more situations you put yourself in that have that challenge you and challenge who you are. That's what that's what grows you as a person, and Absolutely. that's where you become as as your views wise. That that's where it comes from. And I just think so many people live almost just like such a um, sheltered life that robotic that they don't want to expose themselves to anything really scary. And then the thing is, you don't you don't ever have to expose yourself to something that's scary, but you're gonna die at the end of it. The scariest thing for humans is dying. That's it. And that is going to happen. It doesn't matter what you do, you will die at some point. So I almost feel like the more situations I put myself in that are scary, the less fear I have of anything else, including dying. Absolutely. And Dali, do you have anything to say on that with that when this, uh, when Darren wrote in saying, you know, he'd say terrified of, for those who are terrified of death, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's really strange for me to think about, I guess, because my colorectal surgeon said to me that 50% of GPs wouldn't have recommended that I go get a colonoscopy, Yeah, which I've already had to sort of have that sort of conversation with myself about my own mortality because I just feel like I cheated death at that point. Yeah, for sure. I had, you know, I just went to a random doctor at the G- at the domain, the public health system, and he was the one that made that decision for me. It's quite confronting, I guess. Again, going to meditation has been something that's, yeah, really just taught me about if you want happiness and you want to strive for happiness, you, you can do that. You don't have to be focusing on all the negatives. And I think that's kind of the way that I'm viewing my own mortality is that if I can do the best with the life that I have right now and be as happy as I can, well, you know, what is there to, what is there to fear or, or regret, yeah. I guess. Yeah, Bloody absolutely. And I sort of on that, if you look at the, like, if you were to look at the odds of us existing as people, it's like 10 to the power of a thousand. Like, <laughs> yeah. the odds of actually us being born are like a trillion trillions. And I'm like, fuck, the amount of sort of embryos that never had this chance. Look at us. Fuck it. Like, yeah. this is epic. Like, why shouldn't you do everything you can in this life? You know, yeah. so, the odds of us being here are so small that, and we're here with, with, well, at least consciousness uh, or the perception of consciousness. And that's just epic. Like that's the best thing ever. So why not just live the best life you can? Absolutely. Just to add to that is just that, you know, there are people that just are living their lives in this habitual, I don't want to change anything. Mm. Maybe we might not live to the same age as that person mm. is, but I feel like the content and value of my life has just been just epic. Yeah. <laughs> and nourished. that's what you're doing. You like, want like an epic fun. life. Like I want yeah. like I want at my funeral there'd be like a slideshow and be like, holy fuck, he did some sick shit. <laughs> like Yeah. Throughout my whole cancer journey, my two cancer journeys, there's only been one time where I generally thought that I almost accepted that I was gonna die. And it was that mm. second surgery I had in the hospital after my bowel cancer surgery. And it was when it was um going downhill very quickly and I looked at my dad and my dad was signing the consent form and on the consent form it said literally in case I die, uh, waiving the right for that. And I remember it was a bit of a surreal moment. I was on so many painkillers, to be honest. I probably wasn't uh, necessarily um, as clear-headed as I normally would be, but I actually something just rushed over me. I actually accepted the fact that, well, this could be one of those times you go under an anesthetic and you don't wake up. So I must admit that was the one time in my life where I actually did get a little bit scared in a way of like, shit, this could be it. But I wasn't necessarily terrified of it because I think like you guys just touched on a bit of the, oh, not being cliche when everything flashes before your eyes. Part of me did kind of think, well, shit, this sucks. This is the moment. However, have I lived the best life up until now? And you know what? I think I haven't. And I think that's the best part to, to view your life and like you both touched on is live every day with that sense of passion. And, and so if today is your, or tomorrow is your last day, you look back and go, you know what? 
I've, I've lived a pretty awesome life. Even the longest we're going to have at best is a hundred years, like at best. Um, and that is such a small time in a universe that's what 13 and a half billion years old. That's 0.001%. And it's like, because we've got such a finite small amount of time and that end is eventually coming, there's no excuse not to do everything you want to do. Um, tomorrow is not always promised. Yeah, good point, Willie. Yeah. Good point. Kind of on that question, I think I'm, I've just got one here, which it's from Connor B. So Connor B sent in, how do you all have a fantastic positive outlook on life? So Dalia, did you want to lead off with that one? I love my life so much. I really, uh, I really do. So and like everybody knows it too, which I think is like, you know, you come across a happy person. Does that like, have a piece people off that? Feel- do you, well, do you nah, have a friend who are pissed who are like, stop being so fucking happy? You're too happy. I think I'm more like, I'll tell everyone like, yep, so I've had this happen this week and then this happened and then I did this lovely thing and blah, 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 blah. And I'll, and I'll explain it to the person standing right in front of me. And then as soon as I walk away, they kind of do this thing where they'll go up to Dave, my husband, and sort of put their hand on his shoulder and just be like, but how is she real? They can't actually believe that I am as happy as I am. Yeah. People are just shocked by it. I can understand that though, because a lot of people probably do look at you and kind of go, you're going through a pretty awful time. Uh, maybe she is putting on that brave face. So you can understand why people go, look, Dahlia is awesome, but is she just putting on that brave face? Because I think a lot of people do put on a brave face. Y- yeah, I guess I'm quite genuine when I'm talking to people. Yeah, and I think a lot of that I, I'm trying to make sure that all of my happiness is coming from my mind because you are what you think is basically my mantra at the moment. You are what you think. And so if you are having these, if you're focusing on these negative things that are happening to you, well, what kind of benefit are you going to get out of that? Yeah. Whereas if, if you can focus on the, and it's very easy to focus on the negative. It's the Absolutely. default. Whereas if you can try to help yourself by sort of training your mind to look for the good mm. and what ways I can make myself a better person to benefit other people as well, like it just makes you happy. I, do, I guess that's just my... And finding negatives is so easy. But, yeah. But finding a positive is so much more helpful. And so for me, I try to make sure that my first source of happiness comes from myself mm. and then the secondary forms of happiness come from the love of my husband and the community that I'm affiliated with and my parents and my in-laws and my friends. And I try to make sure that I'm not relying on outer sources mm. to make me happy. It's It's all coming from myself. Yeah, that's, that's a incredible way to look at it, I guess. It's usually a point you touch on there. And I think you're right. It's so easy to focus on the negatives. Um, and I think it's one of those things where it's like a, a vicious cycle in a way, because the more you f- think about the negatives, the more you try and rationalize it. And the, I guess the worst it gets and it turns into another negative. So it's one of those vicious cycles that it's easy to do and it kind of brings you down. And touching on something that uh, Dr. Joe mentioned in our last episode was people don't often take time to reflect on what they do well. And it's so true. Everyone's always so the first to admit when they're bad at something or when life isn't going well, but they don't actually take time to reflect. You know what? What is going well in my life? Let's actually focus more on that and put the energy towards that. That's an important point to to touch on. And Willie, obviously, mate, you're you're known for your positivity and being positive, but look, that's amazing. But it isn't necessarily like that 100% of the time and you're quite open with that as well. No, like, and you're right. It's not like that 100% of the time. And I wouldn't say that I'm an overly positive person. I'd say I pretty much almost have a, I have an optimistic approach to things. Yeah. Just some people are that positive. You're like, you're not looking at things 
realistically. Mm. Like some people you're like, no, th- there is nothing positive in this situation or it is shit. But I think part of positivity is actually accepting shit times. Yeah. So my cancer fucking sucks. Like there's no, I'm not saying there's not positive things. You can make something positive of it, but cancer as itself, at least mine, there's no positive to this. You have to make a positive out of it. Um, if you want to write down what does brain cancer do to you physically or negatives, but you can actually control who the fuck you are and what you do um, and create something positive out of that. And I think uh, that's where I almost have an illusion of positivity um, to some people. It's like, oh, you're, you're so happy all the time and you're all this. And I'm like, no, well, no, I'm not yeah. happy all the time, but I'm just not depressed about it all the time. Yeah, I find that a lot yes. with me. Yeah, I, um, people are qu- like literally shocked at how happy I am. A lot of people were coming to me and saying, you know, you're quite inspirational, like you're really tackling this. And and for me, I don't feel like I'm doing anything differently. I feel like I'm just acting you're how just I doing, you're yeah. normally would. Yeah, exactly. yeah, so I guess I don't feel like I'm making this massive effort mm. to be happy. I guess it's just... It's weird to think that I'm happier now than I was before diagnosis. Yeah, and if you were to get pros and cons, you get nothing out of being just fucking not positive about what's going on. Like if you're depressed and down about your cancer, there's nothing good comes of that. Like no one would want to listen to what I have to say. No one would really follow me. Like, And I go through waves of you know depression and anxiety with this, but people want to see you come through it too. And I think being positive and being open as well, you, but you don't always have to be that positive person with myself. I'm like, yeah, oh, we'll put up a post say, and be like, yeah, I am feeling shit about this, but that is accepting it as well. So I go through massive yeah. waves of it. It's definitely like each to their own type of thing. Yeah. And it's weird because I just feel like you're talking about these up days and down days. And when I do mm. have my chemo weekends, yeah, it's like three kind of pretty bad days. But like, aside from that, I just feel like I've just really honed in on my own yeah. mind and I just really try to keep it in the right spot. Yeah, keep it real. Like, oh, I've got three days sick. Yeah. But then I'm going to have, I don't know, what your break is, 15 days or yeah. something of feeling good. And yeah. I'm like that too. So I'm at the moment, I'm like, Monday, I'm going to feel shit for two weeks. Like yeah. two weeks solid for Monday, I'm going to feel fucking horrendous. And I'm like, but that's only 14 days. From there, it just starts going up again. And especially with this being my last round, I'm like, fuck it. I can be as sick as I want and I'm just going to all up, all up from here. As of next Friday, it's up. It's it's not even uphill. It's downhill. But going, it's all smooth sailing. So just, Yeah, I feel like the more happy that I am, the more beneficial I can be to other people. Mm. And that's a lot yeah. of what they teach you in Buddhism is mm. like how you can benefit others because benefiting others make, makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. The best thing I've ever done for myself is my fundraising. Yeah, helping um, other people. Because people are like, oh, man, hey, you've helped me so much. And that's that's all I need. Like that helps me so much more yeah, than donating $50,000 to me was better than if someone gave me $50,000 to spend. I would rather donate that money than someone give it to me because I'm like, that made me feel so good because I know I am actually helping people. I'm glad, glad you brought that up, Willie, because it's so true. And I think this podcast is very similar. We both started this podcast because genuinely – we are passionate in trying to help others in whatever way that can be. And I think you're right. When we re- re- um, receive messages from people, it generally means more than anything, I guess, on a monetary sense, because hearing that, you know, people's lives have been affected, for example, from hearing people's stories like Dahlia's or Ben's or, you know, having these amazing people on the show, like it kind of makes what we do worthwhile. And that makes me extremely positive and happy because it's like a passion that I finish work for the day and instead of binge watching some Netflix, for example, I genuinely look forward to, you know, recording another episode in the podcast. I think that's another awesome way. And it's a good point you touched on that. Sometimes finding that 
something you're passionate in genuinely makes you happy or positive, whether that's helping people or podcasts, whatever that may be. I have always been under the approach that it could always be worse. Oh, and yeah. whenever I'm whenever I'm finding myself in a shit position going, this sucks, I always think to myself that, you know what? It could always be worse. And I think a prime example of that, Willie, was when we interviewed Ben for the podcast. And for those who didn't listen to that episode, Ben's a 24-year-old quadriplegic who has the most amazing outlook on life and is so unbelievably positive. And this is someone who's only got 7% movement to his entire body, yet he doesn't let that impact the way he lives his life. And I think it's just so inspirational. I found myself leaving that episode and, and getting in my car and driving home and really reflecting on my own life, my own current situation, thinking, you know what? I might have gone through you know, two lots of cancer. Uh, however, I'm actually doing pretty good. I've got nothing really to complain about. Here's an amazing 24-year-old who's in a wheelchair and who's extremely restricted in his own life and only has 7% movement to his entire body. But I think Ben would be the first to admit it. If Ben's listening, good day, Benny boy, that he doesn't let that restrict the way he lives his life. And I'm sure he's the first to admit that there are other people who are worse off than he is. So I think having that mindset that it could always be worse for when you do face adversity in life, I think it's a powerful way to put everything in perspective. Yeah. yeah, I feel that way Fucking about up. living in Australia, being able to, you know, have accessibility to healthcare and the journey that I've been on has been so smooth yeah. compared yeah, to other people. It's been like all the hurdles that most people might have to deal with, for example, like hospital being further away or not having the family support or, you know, not even being told about that colonoscopy to go have it. Like I feel like yeah. every step of the way that I've got, I've been through mm has been quite smooth. So, I've, yeah, I just don't feel like I have that much to be upset about. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll just go through another couple of questions here then we'll uh, look to wrap things up for today's episode. But a question someone sent uh, through to me, which whilst I've got you here, Dahlia, to why Willie and I have you here, I think it's a great question to bring up. She sent, uh, her name was Bonnie. Um, so good day, Bonnie, if you're listening. But she sent a question through and she said, what as a cancer fighter or survivor is the best thing that those supporting you can do? Um, and that, that, like, thanks, Bonnie, for that. It is a very hard question because, of course, mm. my journey has been with myself, not with dealing, well, not with dealing with someone with cancer, but mm. not helping someone through cancer. Mm. So I'm, it's probably a better one for, like, say, my parents or your partners for you both. But my big one would be give the support when it's needed, but also give space when it's needed to. People can, like, especially with myself, I'm not dying to my, you know, and sometimes people just need space. They, they, you can feel very um, overwhelmed with everything that's going on because you've just been introduced to five specialists. You're going through a journey which you have no fucking idea what's happening. You have so many people coming in, your messages, everything. Sometimes you just need space um, and giving that person space if they need it is important. But overall, it's, you know, making sure that they know you actually are there for them. Um, you're thinking about them, making sure there's, you know, make their life a little bit easier for them. But you need to be also cognizant to not change their whole life too, because yes, cancer can change a lot, but it doesn't mean you change who you are. So don't just like wrap them in cotton wool and be like, you can't do anything. I need to look after you. Yeah. It's not that either. They, they're still a person. They're still, you know, they're still living. They're not dead yet. They need to hold you know, the routine they've got as best they can. Yes, they're going through a lot. Give them space for the need. I hate the word cancer victim or cancer patient. Mm. I think those are terrible statements. Um, we're not victims of cancer. Yeah. And we're not patients of cancer. We are our own people who have cancer. But we are first and foremost Hugo, Dahlia, and Willie. 
That, yep. That's who we are, first and foremost. You know, that 1% of our life and 1% of our cells in our body is a cancer. Don't call me my whole life by that. Like, I'm not that. I'm really first and foremost, and I've got cancer. But it's not it's not everything about me and it's not everything about them. They are still who they are. They, it's who they have been for 20 years. So it's important to not sort of let them forget who they are as well. No, I love that, Willie. And how about yourself, Dale? Throughout your cancer journey, I suppose, what are some tips for, for those on the outside that aren't going through it you're going through? I guess I would say don't presume or assume anything. Mm. Don't yeah. assume anything either way. And also try not to be too empathetic. I just feel like... Yeah. I get way too much sympathy. I don't need it. And this is where I'm coming on the presumptuous mm. sort of arm of it. Don't assume either way. Because so maybe some people yeah. do want a lot of empathy. Yeah. Maybe they do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, and um, go through the journey with them too. Make sure you know what they want. If they do want empathy, give it. Yeah, communication yeah. is obviously key. Everyone handles things differently. So this is once again according to how the three of us have found it. But a big one for me is that when people months later kind of say, oh, sorry to hear, or they might not even say anything at all. And then a a common response I got is, I didn't know what to say. But I think that's a bit of a... Uh, Yeah, almost a cop out. If you generally don't know what to say, and you're right, some people generally don't know what to say. It can be a bit of, they've never experienced it before. What do I say? So my response to that, and for those listening, is a simple message or anything just going, hey, literally say that. Hey, I don't know what to say, but... I'm thinking of you. Literally, that's all you have to say. And I think that goes a long, long way. So you don't have to pretend you know how to make it right or you know the right things to say. And quite often, not everyone's good with words. But if you literally just say, look, I actually don't know what to say, but I'm just letting you know I'm here if you need me. One little message like that, I might not even reply to that message, but I know that that person is there for me and they're there to support me. They don't have to do anything else, but it's the people who through months and months of going through, say, for I went through, and I didn't say even I didn't hear from them at all. Do I judge them for that? No, I don't. But at the same time, for those listening, just a simple little message on just saying that is probably better than saying nothing at all. I totally oh, you're, agree. You're, better, you're better off saying the wrong thing than saying fucking nothing. At least in my experience. Like I'd rather someone be like, Hey man, sounds like a shit situation. Hope you don't die. I would rather that than one someone just fucking not, not message me. And if you don't know what to say, and that that's fine. But don't don't tread around the idea. Jump in the deep end. And they say this with say uh, mental health and suicide awareness. Don't tiptoe around it. If you really think like someone's going to kill themselves, ask them. Hey Matt, are you going to kill yourself? Um, and I sort of think don't tiptoe around it. Like if someone messaged me, hey man. Heard about your brain cancer. That fucking sucks. How are you going? See how they actually are. As long as you're not a prick, you can say no wrong. Like no one's going to reply. If you ask like, hey, man, how are you going? No one's going to reply, you're an asshole. Fuck off. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. Maybe I might change. Depends but, who you are. Yeah, I might. <laughs> if, if Dahlia messages me, that's, a, that's, that's what a you get. Too. And the big one there, I think you touched on, Willie, and that's, it's a good point, is that the cancer doesn't define who we are. And that's Willie touched on that before. Bang so. on. Yeah, fucking yeah, For those listening, they want to take one thing away, is that cancer doesn't define a cancer survivor. Look, we've touched on a few. Thanks, Bonnie, first of all, for that question. It was a, a very great question, but we've touched on a few of the heavier-ish questions in some of those last couple. But I might just finish off with the last question before we wrap things up. And I think it will Mm -hmm. go hand in hand with last week's episode with Joe, where we talked a lot about the power of habit and the success on autopilot. But my sister, my lovely sister, Millie, she uh, she wrote in a question saying, what habit would you like to stick to? So following up from Joe's episode last week, talking all about habits, I can lead off if you guys haven't thought of anything yet. (laughs) Yeah, thank God, because I'm like, what the fuck? So the good habit I'd like to stick to, 
and I've never, ever been good at it. And my dad will probably listen to this and he'll laugh because he's always laughed at it, is reading. I've never managed to pick up a book and get into books and reading, but I've always almost been a bit envious of people who really get into a good book and I never have been. Yeah, I'm the same. It's How are you doing that? I don't know. So Millie, answering your question, what habit would you like to stick to? Reading before bed is the habit I'd like to stick to. So how about yourself, Willie? Jeez, that's a hard one. Um, it's it's definitely not continuing on with more fucking chemo. That, that's a habit I am so likely to break. I've really been eating really fucking healthy lately, except for I'll just hide these nuggets um, and, the, and the bourbon. Um, <laughs> but as I sort of finish chemo and I, and I'm, I like to think I'm very someone of my word. For my New Year's video, it was like, this is the year I'll sort of retake the reins of my own health. So, yeah, it's, you know, getting back to health in the army, you know, getting out of this habit of being sick for so long and then coming out of that, you know, getting back into health and fitness strongly. And Dahlia, uh, just to finish off the line of questioning for today's episode, uh, what's a habit, I suppose, that you would like to enforce in your life or a habit that you would like to stick to? Continuing with that mindset of looking for happiness in my own mind. Yeah. Once I go, I think for me it's really difficult to imagine because I was just saying before to Willie, I haven't worked in, fortunately I'm in a position where I haven't had to work through all of this. So I haven't worked for five and a half months. So I guess for me, when my chemo finishes in roughly two months and then I recover from my chemo and I do go back to work, I really want to keep that mentality in that my happiness comes from my mind. I love that, Dale. I love the fact that you're into your meditation. That is something else that, um, as well as my reading, I, I did used to do hot yoga and I would like to get back into that. When you're down in Adelaide next, you go, um, we'll live stream a hot yoga sesh oh just to yes. see me in pain. I'm super Dale, nervous. Dale, will be thriving and I'll be in agony. No, I'm like, so see, I haven't been able to go since um, I have my ileostomy bag, so I'm just petrified. My poo bag's just going to fall off. Uh, shotgun not going anywhere near Dahlia. I'll go Actually, in another yeah, car. Yeah. I don't know if it'll happen. You, go, you can go with it. I'm not. So, look, we will finish the, uh, the episode up there, but thanks, everyone, for sending in your questions. We uh, really do appreciate it, and hopefully you got something out of today's episode. It's been great chatting to you today, Dahlia, and thanks for joining us for the uh, episode 8 Q&A. So happy to be here. I was having such a slow day. Down a day. Yeah, and so to get a message from, Willie just being like we're gonna do a podcast want to crash made me feel really great so I'm really glad to be a part of another episode it's always a pleasure you've been listening to the 25 stay alive podcast subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to get fresh new weekly episodes follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 25 stay alive and feel free to send us a message we'd love to hear from you See you next time.